this week on the Iowa Watch Connection. I will tell you that the Democratic chair and the Republican chair, we may disagree on a whole lot of things, but we do not disagree on how important this is for the state. It's a uniquely Iowa phenomenon. It's going to be far more uh, inclusive everywhere, and, and that excites me because I think uh, that, that's good for Democrats and it's good for democracy. But it's about to undergo some changes. This just continues that process and tries to make sure that we can have a process that's open, honest, transparent, and allows as many people to participate as possible. Iowa's presidential precinct caucuses, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. A full 50 years ago, following the tumultuous 1968 election campaign, National Democrats sought to make the presidential nomination process more transparent, placing more power in the hands of voters instead of party leaders. Iowa Democrats adapted their precinct caucus system to elect delegates at the most local level, from precincts to county conventions, from there to district conventions, then to the state convention, and finally to the national convention. In order to go through that many steps, given technological limitations of the time, Iowa's 1972 caucuses were held on January 24th, and soon a first-in-the-nation tradition took hold. But after each election cycle, Iowa has to fight to keep its status, and as former state party chair and former Congressman Dave Nagel notes, it's led to a long alliance with New Hampshire, which holds the first primary in the nation every four years. New Hampshire conducts a primary, which is state government run. Iowa conducts a caucus, which is run by the political parties. The state government is not involved. Uh, and that is as it should be uh, because it's the state government in New Hampshire says, uh, we'll hold your selection process for you, but we won't tell you what to do. But this ultimately is a choice of the Iowa Democratic Party and the Republican Party in terms of how we want to select our nominee, not told by the government who we should select or, 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 or tilted towards one candidate or another. But therein lies the problem. The DNC can't do anything to New Hampshire. Uh, they've tried in years past, but it's a state-run process, and Bill Gardner is adamant that he's going to be first primary in the nation, as he should be. We, on the other hand, are a creature requires the approval not of the state of Iowa, but our governing body, the Democratic National Committee. And so they set us on a, a road for conflict with New Hampshire uh, by uh, two requirements, one of which I think can be met and the other I'm not sure can. First is, is that we conduct a precinct caucus as a selection process, and we use delegates selected to the state convention or the county convention as a measuring stick of success for a candidate. Whoever gets the most delegates to the county convention, percentage-wise, wins the Iowa Democratic Caucus. Uh, New Hampshire is just absolutely adamant that we cannot go to a straw poll. They allow the Republicans to do so because they, they did that when this thing was originally created. So the DNC has now required Iowa to release raw totals as well as delegate equivalencies or delegate counts. So Iowa and New Hampshire, which with the PAC, have never crowded each other. Once we do, we lose. Both, both of us will lose. are now in a situation where the DNC has set up a conflict with New Hampshire for Iowa that uh, we're going to have to try to work out. But at this point, we don't have any resolution of that. 
Now the Democratic National Committee has issued guidelines for the 2020 Iowa caucuses. I spoke to DNC Chair Tom Perez on September 24th about them. We want to make sure that uh, it's easier for people to participate. If you're a, a veteran and you're deployed overseas, that shouldn't uh, preclude you from participating not only in the Iowa caucus, but in any caucus. Uh, if you are a person with a disability uh, and you, you have a mobility impairment, you should make sure that any caucus site is accessible. Uh, if you are a shift worker uh, or you have uh, you know, family care responsibilities, you should be able to participate. And we're working very closely with the party, uh, and they have been exceedingly responsive. Uh, they were part of the group who uh, helped us uh, put together the series of reforms. And, and what happens when we're making these processes more inclusive is that more people participate. And that's what we want to do. Democrats want to make it easier for folks to vote. They want to make it easier for folks to participate. You look at what Republicans do across this country. They, they pass these uh, horrible voter ID laws to make it harder for folks to participate. They're, they're purging voters at ballot boxes. Uh, they're, they're doing nothing in the White House in the face of Russian interference with elections. Uh, these are really important things. And I'm, I'm very confident that uh, we're going to see a, a very robust caucus in 2020, and it's going to be far more uh, inclusive everywhere. And, and that excites me because I think uh, that's, that's good for Democrats and it's good for democracy. So Iowa and New Hampshire have made peace in terms of the changes in Iowa will not undermine the New Hampshire process. I know that was one of the concerns that folks in New sure. Hampshire had. I'm confident we can thread that needle. Very confident. That all may be easier said than done, given the possible conflict between longtime allies Iowa and New Hampshire. But as Dave Nagel told me on October 5th, he has some ideas. One thought that I had is, is that we can release raw totals, but not until after New Hampshire has held its process. And then try to get uh, the Secretary of New Hampshire to agree that uh, absentee ballot participation is not the same as a raw total. And, and hopefully, that'll, hopefully that'll thread the needle. About half the people that supported Sanders think we ought to go to a primary in June uh, because that's, uh, that would be fair and Bernie would have won. And half of them think we shouldn't be first anyway because, after all, who are we to tell the rest of the country what to do? Which goes back to the fundamental question, why do we start in small states? And they don't care. So we have a division inside our own party. The Democrats don't go it alone on this. Since 1976, Iowa Republicans have held similar but procedurally distinctive caucuses of their own, first in the nation, on the same night as the Democrats. The in-state alliance is important, as Republican Party of Iowa Chair Jeff Kaufman told me on September 27th. Talk about the relationship between the Republican Party of Iowa and the Iowa Democratic Party in working together to ensure that Iowa retains its status and how has what they've been doing impacted what you're doing? Absolutely. On any given day, I could literally have to send out a fairly strong, um, proactive contrast tweet uh, that involves the Democratic Party and then an hour later 
talk about how we're going to join forces to make sure that our First Nation caucuses run well. It's the nature of this job. Uh, you don't take the negatives personally, and you have to uh, you have to realize in any given day it may go uh, attack, uh, get along, attack, get along, back and forth. Um, ultimately, uh, what the de the Democrats' fate in First of the Nation, and they had a they had a, a a higher hill to climb in this, given the fact that there was a little bit more resistance to Iowa in the National Democratic Party. And I'll be honest with you, it's 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 a lot easier this year with us. Donald Trump early on told me that we were going to be first in the nation. I mean, he looked me in the eye and said that. And every step of the way, um, you know, like Donald Trump or not like Donald Trump, Donald Trump, once again, kept his promise on first in the nation. So I, I felt confident the entire way through. But I got to tell you, I was sincerely in the background rooting that Troy Price and, uh, and the National Democrats were going to make sure that we were first in the nation. That's going to happen again. Now, Troy Price and I, the Democratic chair and I, we have to make sure that our caucuses run smoothly. We have the national glare on us. He has a, a, a bit more challenging situation because he's going to have a, a lot of candidates in here. And there's going to be candidates that are going to emerge and get a bump out of Iowa. My, my role is going to be making sure that independents realize that there is, uh, you know, the, the flaws in those Democrats coming through. But never, never are my words going to interfere with the ability of the Democrats to carry out their caucuses in a fair way. That would be irresponsible on my part and for this state. So yeah, it's 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 the part of my job. It's about 25% of the job. And we must have a strong relationship between the two parties. Uh, that Troy is my fourth Democratic chair uh, uh, that, I've, that I've worked with. And honestly, every single one of them, there has been an element of trust. I think that the people of Iowa would be really proud to know what's happening behind the scenes because I, I will I will tell you that the Democratic chair and the Republican chair we may disagree on a whole lot of things but we do not disagree on how important this is for the state I'm joined now by Aaron Murphy Des Moines bureau chief for Lee Enterprises from your perspective covering the caucuses and the capital city what might some of these changes do to the process and how Democrats in particular approach it as individuals are running for president yeah, that, that'll be interesting. I don't know that it'll change a whole lot as far as I'm thinking specifically of the people who show up to caucus and, and how they decide which candidate they're going to support and, and, and all those sorts of things. I don't know that it'll have a huge influence on that. Um, you know, th this is such a um, uh, an open process. You're literally standing in a room in front of everybody else declaring who you're supporting. Um, I don't see any reason that that would change, um, that these changes would affect how people approach that. The, the one big thing that it does change is, uh, especially depending on how the absentee process works, is now that enters into someone's equation. I don't have to be there uh, at 7 o'clock on this Tuesday night in the middle of, or in early February in the middle of winter. Um, if, if I want to just send in an absentee ballot, I, I have that option now. Um, that I will, I assume will, will definitely factor uh, into uh, caucus goers um, calculus. Um, so that could be interesting to see, um, you know, caucus, how much that impacts caucus night turnout and, and, and overall numbers. Do we get more people overall but fewer actually at the caucuses on caucus night that that 
that could be interesting to watch. There is a sense, though, that if you do broaden it beyond that night, in other words, opening up more of the absentee process, it may change how candidates approach things, but I'm not sure it will change it markedly. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, and again, the, the the absentee thing being the, the biggest um, um, factor there, it'll be interesting to see how much candidates push that. Um, that this is unique to a, to a caucus situation. We know in normal elections, primaries and, and general elections, that campaigns um, um, make pushing early voting a huge deal. So now that that's an option in the caucuses, will, will they will they push that here in the caucuses? Or will Iowa Democrats see something like that as uh, as as unseemly towards the caucuses? Like, will, will they push back at someone saying, hey, don't bother going to the caucuses. You can vote absentee and you're secured. Iowa Democrats may not like that suggestion. So that, that, that's going to be fascinating for me to watch, too. Caucuses have multiple purposes, one of which, of course, is to begin the delegate selection process. That's the primary function of why they're held. But it is also a party-building operation, the idea to work one-on-one with individuals, develop a deeper base. Are these changes, in your mind, going to enhance that party-building or potentially have a negative effect on it, especially with the possibility of absentee? Yeah, yeah, I could see that going either way. You know, you would think at the base of it, an absentee vote, maybe the option to vote absentee, maybe gets more people involved in the process and, and, and as such get more people involved in, in, within the party, which would be good for the party. But, you know, that's you're still not getting someone in the room that night. You're engaged, but you're not in the room. So is is that... Do Democrats still think that's a good thing or, or or is there concern that that kind of creates an option that creates some disconnect that, that doesn't, um, uh, you know, keep someone as involved as they otherwise would be by showing up? So so that's that's absolutely an interesting question to see what kind of impact um, that absentee option has on, on the party building aspect. Aaron, thanks for the insight. Aaron Murphy is Des Moines Bureau Chief for Lee Enterprises. He spoke to us from his office in the Des Moines metro area via Skype. Coming up, we'll talk one-on-one at length with the chair of the Iowa Democratic Party about what the caucus changes mean for voters and the party. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. We continue our discussion of possible changes to the 2020 Iowa Presidential Precinct Caucuses now with Troy Price, chair of the Iowa Democratic Party. We spoke at the party's headquarters in West Des Moines on September 27th. 
As we are approaching this uh, conversation, um, the one thing that we want to do is make sure that we preserve and protect the spirit of the Iowa caucuses. And, you know, at the end of the day, what the caucuses are is, you know, we've never held ourselves out to be a primary. It's a uh, neighborhood meeting. It doesn't matter uh, how much money you have. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, uh, who you are. Uh, everyone can come to this event and they can have a spirited debate about what the future of our country should be and that's what caucuses have been and so we want to make sure that we can preserve that but what the DNC is asking us to do uh, uh, through the changes that were passed in August is there's several uh, buckets but the ones that kind of impact us the most here in Iowa will be one uh, allowing for some form of absentee participation for those who will not be able to or could not attend Two, reporting of the raw results from the first pre-alignment phase of the caucuses, uh, ensuring that we have a recount procedure in place so that we can, if, a, if it's uh, uh, close and if a campaign requests it, that we can in fact recreate what happens in a caucus site and re be able to make sure that the results are accurate. Um, those are really kind of the three big buckets that we uh, are looking at as we go forward here. The other one too is that locking the caucus night result is the final result. So what has happened in years past is that, you know, at the county level, if one side doesn't get uh, their folks out, then it can change. And then it can change again at the district convention. Then it can change again at the state convention. And here, um, the what happens on caucus night will be uh, is the winner. And so from that point forward, then everything will be preserved going up through the chain. And so uh, if it's projected that candidate X gets four delegates to the DNC, well then they'll get four delegates to the DNC. So we've got to work through that. If candidate X wins that many delegates in Iowa, mm -hmm. but doesn't make it past South Carolina, doesn't make mm -hmm. it past Florida, if they release their delegates, does that then open it up either for free connection or for some sort of apportionment, or am I premature in that? I think that uh, this is where the devil is going to be in the details. Yeah. We are also uh, starting the process now. We're out doing some listening posts across the state to try and solicit feedback on how we might be able to do that and start thinking through this. We have until approximately, you know, springtime, uh, first part of spring, to be able to figure all this stuff out, get our delegate selection plans written and submitted to the DNC. And so for us, we're starting that process. It'll really pick up in earnest after after election day. But uh, but we're in the process right now of starting to think through that. So to answer your specific question, I don't know the answer to that yet. And uh, um, other states where that has happened, I mean, we're going to have to go take a look at how other states have dealt with this when they have primaries, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, in mm -hmm. New Hampshire, there have been candidates who drop out yep. shortly after New Hampshire, but they still have so many delegates that they were secured on uh, that night. So we just go through that process, and so we'll figure out exactly how to do that. One of the big sticking points, of course, has been how does Iowa stay distinctive from New Hampshire? Mm -hmm. And one of the concerns some had had was if you report raw vote totals, then it's starting to look like New Hampshire. If you have an absentee process, it may be too much like New Hampshire. The first question is, do you think that our singular identity will remain pure? And secondly, are the folks in New Hampshire happy? <laughs> well, for us, uh, again, 
uh, we want to preserve the spirit of the Iowa caucuses. And so we want to preserve that feeling where folks can come together and actually discuss this. Because uh, this is one of the few places in politics that you can't actually do that uh, anymore. And so we do want to make sure that, but we also want to make sure that we're giving folks the opportunity to have their uh, voices heard. Um, uh, and for folks who may not be able to participate, that's always been a challenge in uh, years past. And so we're going to take a really earnest look at how we might be able to uh, make that happen. Uh, in terms of New Hampshire, you know, I've traveled out there uh, uh, earlier this year and I talked with their Secretary of State and I stay in regular communication with my counterpart in New Hampshire. And so, you know, we will uh, continue to work with them and make sure that, you know, as we're going through this process, keep them up to date. And, you know, if there are any landmines that uh, or challenges that might be further down the road that we're not seeing, make sure that we're keeping folks in the loop on that so that the four early states have always worked really well together. Iowa and New Hampshire has definitely worked very well together over the last 30 years for sure. And so, um, you know, we want to make sure that we are continuing that process and also continuing to work with our folks across the aisle here in the state. Um, obviously, the Republicans, the Republican process looks different than ours. It does report raw total, um, and they do allocate their delegates based upon that. And so, for us, we want to, you know, this is a, a, a lot of conversations go into this process, and it's not something that I get to decide uh, or, uh, you know, even our SEC just unilaterally gets to decide. We obviously want to make sure that people have a chance to have their voices heard in this conversation. If they have thoughts, something we haven't even thought about yet, hoping that we can, or, you know, hear that feedback and hear those thoughts and be able to put that out there. Troy Price, chair of the Iowa Democratic Party. We spoke in West Des Moines on September 27th. Some final words for context now from former state party chair and former congressman Dave Nagel. It was Daniel Webster, he of the dictionary fame, who wrote in the Federalist Papers. Most people don't realize he was a constitutionalist before he was a, a, a dictionary expert. That it's important in the democratic process that we talk to each other. And you put people in a room of all the persuasions of all of the candidates and they talk to each other and they have to declare their preference in public for who they're for and hear why their neighbors are for somebody else. That's, that's healthy. That's democracy at the lowest possible political denomination you can get. And I think that's important, particularly if it was important before. It's even re more important now for the things I said when we started the show is, is we got to start talking to each other and we got to start listening to each other. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.